Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Dom, I don't really know where to start. Um, so it's a week since we recorded our last podcast. Kind of bidding farewell to um, 2020 and thinking, nice, quiet few days to the end of the year and then a couple of games of football. Um, I don't think either of us could really predicted what was going to happen. Let's Let's go through this chronologically then. So... Was it the same day that we recorded that it was then announced that Tony Pulis had left Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, no, I think it was the day after, wasn't it? The day after. It was pretty hot yeah. on the heels. Now, we we actually we were a little bit critical, weren't we, of Tony Pulis on the podcast last week, kind of saying that we were sort of struggling to kind of see what what he was trying to achieve with this team, and it didn't feel like we'd had that instant results boost that we kind of expected we'd get from an appointment like Tony Pulis and I think certainly the undercurrent of what I was saying last week was I don't really know if this is working but I don't want to come out and say that because it's just too soon it's really harsh like 40 odd days into someone's managerial reign to sort of say look I just don't think it's working clearly the chairman felt the 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 same way it sounds like tony pulis felt the same way as um as well but it was still a bit of a shock yeah well uh, there were murmurings weren't there after the coventry win that all was not well and well as it's then been established and emerged doesn't it that actually tony pulis was wanting to to sort of you know part ways with Sheffield Wednesday from that point, but then you know the club have persevered for the or, or stuck with him for the Blackburn Rovers match, and yeah, you know when you look at the the ten matches, it's sort of as we said on the last podcast of where we were critical of what we felt was the overly negative football, and and it was very cautious. And we didn't really feel as if he was getting a huge sort of tune out of these players, really, or certainly not in an attacking sense. Uh, But then, you know, even if you look at it from the defensive standpoint, I think it was only two clean sheets in the 10 matches. So he didn't really tighten them up at the back um, and he certainly didn't improve them going forwards. And that's what they needed from the new manager. You know, it's been the lack of goals and creativity in that final third that's been holding them back, hasn't it? For uh, certainly, the, well, in 2020, generally. Um, but yeah, um, I think that, you know, clearly that the the chairman had been looking at it and he wasn't happy with the style of play and he made that perfectly clear in his um, press briefing. I suppose the counter to that is, um, and where... I'm sure a lot of fans will have also flagged it and felt the same, is you interviewed Tony Pewis for the job before you hired Gary Monk and you surely would have known the football that he's renowned for and the style of play that you're going to get with a Tony Pewis team. Um, And so not a lot would have changed in a year on when you then bring him in to replace Gary Monk um so it's it's a strange one really isn't it that now it seems as if we've gone from more sort of pragmatic managers to the guy who's going to succeed tony pewish i think that it sounds as if that the the chairman wants to bring in someone who's going to play free-flowing attacking football 
to try and get Wednesday out of a relegation dogfight. I, I mean, there's so many things that we can discuss off the back of um, that, and, and we'll we'll come to you know who potentially might be uh, might be coming in, the names that have been mentioned in uh, in a bit. We we had then in the aftermath of Tony Pulis being sacked, we had kind of a 24 hour uh, period where being a Sheffield Wednesday fan just felt like chaos. It just felt like the whole lot had gone. Um, it was um, it everything went very negative as you would imagine that you know we we were kind of reminded of clubs that we've sort of laughed at in the past because they just fall into bits and that felt like us now you know we've had two games of football since then and we've got six points since then and that does a lot to help um ease those pressures but that that 24 hours between tony peelis being sacked in the middlesbrough game it was hard being a Sheffield Wednesday fan during that period, because you just think, what an absolute mess. What is going on? And, um, you know, I, I just kind of felt like, that's it. It's This is over. This is done with. This project has failed miserably. You know, we are now just, it's beyond, you know, flinging mud against a, a, a wall. We just don't have a clue anymore. Like, it is just an absolute utter disaster zone. This season is done with and it's going to take a decade before this club's got any chance of getting itself sorted out. That was that, That's kind of my initial thoughts and I'm sure that there are other fans that probably felt the same. As I say, it is that is definitely softened by a couple of wins but you know let's just kind of take this a stand back for this as you say he he you know he interviewed tony pulis twice you know he was well aware of what tony pulis is is all about and we've kind of talked about you know this lack of direction this lack of really having an identity as a club and knowing what we what we want as a as a club and you know bringing in a a manager and then just kind of realizing you know a month later that he's not the right guy it, it, it is i mean that is a right old mess isn't it and that just that that just should not happen like it's such when you're bottom of the table so far adrift we really need to get that appointment right so the fact that we didn't is just a, a right old mess uh, yeah and in the statement that they then released very late on that monday night they alluded to his record and the record well, it's not. It wasn't good enough, was it? You know, seven points from the ten matches, and it, you know they should have picked up more points. Uh, and you can't get away from that. And I do think that's, um, you know, a valid argument as to why, you know, you, you'd make a change if you don't believe that that man's the right person to take you forward. And then Chancery came out a few days later and admitted that you know he felt he made a mistake with. Tony Pulis in hiring him and so it would have made the mistake worse if you'd stuck with him and then allowed him to bring in his own players in January um, so I would say that as uh, as reasoning for Wednesday making a change now I, I, I do understand oh I get that side of it certainly uh, but yeah clearly Wednesday fans are going to question the appointment that you know that you know when it's not worked out and it's gone the way that it has, um, you know I think that uh, that's why it's so important that they do take the time with the, and bring in the right person. Now um, we know that okay, time isn't a luxury that Wednesday've got, but the two results I know we'll touch more on the games in a minute, but those two results that the caretaker has got Neil Thompson as I think bought. Day Ponchan series some more time 
yeah. um, to bring in the you know the next manager. I mean, you, the the flip side to kind of the scenario that I just talked about really is that we didn't believe that Tony Pulis was the right guy for the job. There aren't many, you know, I'm in a few different WhatsApp groups and um, and other kind of uh, conversation threads about Sheffield Wednesday. I didn't see many fans at all who believed that Tony Pulis was the right guy when he came in or that were particularly positive about it. It was almost like a sort of a resignation to, well, at least they'll come in and get results. And of course, that, that in the end didn't happen. So there is a, the, the flip side to this is actually that it was a mistake. And we all kind of saw that at the time. And actually, it took the chairman a month or so to also realize that and maybe it's just a period of our history that we just write off as a very you know bad job and and just pretend it didn't happen or something you know it, it was um correcting a wrong i guess is is another way of uh of looking at it um all right so we we go through all that neil thompson's putting caretaker charge um, we then come up against Middlesbrough, managed by Neil Warnock, who will be taking great pleasure in seeing Sheffield Wednesday imploding. Uh, Middlesbrough on a good run of form as well. Um, and Wednesday with all manner of injury problems and, and different things happening within the club. So, of course, the most Sheffield Wednesday thing in the world is that we go and win the game, which we did. Now, I was working early the next day, so I didn't see the second half. But from what I can gather, it was a real backs-to-the-wall, gritty getting stuck in to defend that that lead. I mean, I can't remember the last time that Wednesday actually had a two-goal lead uh, at home. It must be a long, long time ago. Um, obviously, Middlesbrough getting that early goal in the second half, but but Wednesday, by the sounds of it, some real resolute defending to protect that that uh, lead and ultimately claim the points. Yeah, it was. And that was the first time that Wednesday scored two goals at home in over a year, James. So, yeah, it, remarkable start. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think um, there was some good performances all around. I think a special mention has got to go out to Tom Lees, who I think over the festive period, what was it, with a goal, an assist, and he's helped with the two clean sheets as well. I think he's played a huge part in that, you know, especially um, with such a makeshift defence against Derby. You know, he really, I think... Um, did a superb job in holding everything together and, and it's been the Tom Lees of old and I do think that we've seen him improve certainly with um, you know Shay Dunkley getting fit and, and out there I think you know that's taken I think some of the the pressure off um, Tom Lees so he can just focus on his own game and I think that actually Tom Lees has benefited certainly from Shay Dunkley returning to fitness um, yeah, you know, it was, it was frustrating, wasn't it, for everybody that we, we then found out that he's got a hamstring injury and so he missed the Derby match. Hopefully he's going to be back for Coventry. You know, Wednesday could need that. You know, I, they've still got so many players out and that's actually what I think makes the two wins more impressive, really. You know, considering what had gone on, the injuries they've got, the form they've been in, the lack of goals. So when you throw it all into the melting pot, I think that actually Wednesday to show the character and the resilience that we've questioned a lot of this team to get those two home wins. I think, you know, you know, fair play to them for digging in. And yeah, you know, you've got to give so much praise to Neil Thompson for, uh, you know, galvanising the group and getting a reaction out of them. 
Yeah. Um, what has Neil Thompson changed then? Because it, it, it definitely appears to be a more positive setup, but he's very limited. Like, it, it, it's not as if there's loads of players that he's got the ability to kind of change things around very much. Because, as you say, you know, the injury problems are pretty stark still at the moment, and the, there is a, a, a lack of available players so from what what you've seen what's what's different we're, we're jumping around a bit here because we'll cover we'll we'll bring the derby game into the equation a bit as well um which was um a, a not dissimilar game in terms of the fact that it, it you know it was very much derby in the ascendancy in that game and wednesday all about defending and then almost kind of smash and grab kind of stuff to, to get that um victory so two games where wednesday really had to do their stuff defensively i mean that first half against derby for me it was just a matter of you know, the, the, when when they get one, the floodgates are going to open here, and this is going to be similar to their scoreline at, at, at Birmingham. And and for Wednesday to come away with three points from that game in the end is is fairly remarkable. But there's there's something different about this team, and I, I, you know, is is it just a more positive outlook? That's what he called for. Yeah, you know, he said that he's tried to take the shackles off the team and for them to play with a bit more freedom so they can express themselves. And I think we have seen definitely against Middlesbrough. Uh, they were more positive and, and trying to get the ball forward. Um, and he's made a big thing about playing two up front. Uh, and, and we saw, didn't we, with Tony Pewis, the amount of times that Josh Windass was up front on his own. Um, and I don't think that it, it suits this group of players. Uh, I think they need to be playing with two up front, especially when you know they need goals. I think that that's you know, playing two up front right now makes sense. Yeah, they haven't got loads of options up there. You know, we've been through it before. Uh, and uh, you know, Callum Patterson, um, you know, it's great that he scored two in two. Uh, is he the long-term answer as a striker? No, probably not. But right now he's he's doing a decent job as a sort of stopgap. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was very telling really what Liam Shaw said after Derby. Uh, you know, when when he was talking about players, you know, that they almost feel happier now that they're not uh, having to play with two banks of four or play in shape all the time or on drill. Yeah, it felt like drills. And I think that's the difference, really, that um, you, you, Tony Pulis was concentrating so much on trying to make them well-organised and solid, difficult to break down. Um, that actually, you know, the, the cutting edge didn't improve, did it? Going forwards at all, offensively, they didn't get better, uh, and they, they were offering little goal threat. And when you you see that um, the XG, you know, that stat that gets bandied around now, you know, Wednesday's I think actually a, a got worse a fraction under Tony Pulis, um as they just weren't um, showing enough going forward. So yeah. I think um, definitely the shackles um, have been taken off a little bit and I think the players are, are enjoying the fact that they're not having to be thinking about how disciplined they've got to be and that they've got to constantly be in a structure, which is maybe what I think Tony Pugh was, was demanding more from the group. Yeah, the only thing that worries me a little bit is how much of these two victories have been down to 
uh, a slightly more positive outlook for the for the for the team. The shackles being removed, um, strong defensive performances, but also there's been a huge element of luck, hasn't there? And there's no doubt about that. You know, they're both games that actually Wednesday could quite quite equally have lost or drawn as have won. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the team to get those two wins because you've got to do the stuff that you've got to do to get the wins and, and you know, you ride your luck a little bit. But it's been a season so far where it's kind of felt like if if something can go against us, it will do. Like, luck has not been in plentiful supply this season. So we're sort of due a little bit for, for things to go our way, you know, like Derby hitting the bar in the first half. Uh, you know, it feels like a couple of weeks ago that would have been in the back of the net and then it's an uphill battle. Those little things just going Wednesday's way has been great. My fear from this point is we've got to follow this up now. You know, we said a week ago about, uh, or, or I said certainly that I thought that this period over Christmas was pivotal and, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd have a much better idea come this episode as to whether or not Wednesday is still in the game this season and we very much are which is brilliant because I think you know, lose those two games and, and you know with, particularly with Wickham winning um, it starts to look really miserable so um, it's a totally different picture Wednesday out of the bottom three which is just incredible really considering where we were just a week ago um, we've got to keep that momentum up now haven't we and um, we've talked about how important the January transfer window is how is that going to work now for Wednesday because we know that there were players that Tony Pulis had got lined up. We've got no idea what's going to happen with those. Don't don't really know who's going to be coming in as manager. We've talked before about what a difficult window January is. It's just become a whole lot harder, hasn't it? I'm not so sure, really. I think that it, it's. Um, I think it's so. It's it's one of them where. Yeah, they're on the lookout now for the new manager, uh, but they still have already done sort of background check and work's going on behind the scenes on transfer targets. And so, I, you know, I don't think that necessarily they're going to stop, um, you know, lining up players. Or, and I think that, you know, to me... Yeah, it's, it's looking more and more as if Wednesday... I, th- I think you know, we've got to accept that January, it's not really got going yet. Um, there haven't been many deals so far. And I do think that Wednesday will probably be doing the majority of the business at the back end of the window. Um, I think I think with... Um, you know, Sam Hutchinson, for example, is a player that I think maybe, yeah, if Tony Pulis um, was still in charge, Sam Hutchinson might have come... Been you know, he might have been re-signed and that might have got done right now, um, but but that's the sort of market that I expect Wednesday to be shopping in that it's going to be three transfers and loans. Uh, yeah. So I think that um, the, the the priority has to be to make sure that they get the right manager in. And we did see, I mean, actually, if you remember from only two years ago when they appointed Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce unveiling. Look how quickly they got deals done there. They signed three players on deadline day in Iorfa, Lazar uh, and Aaron's. So I, I, it wouldn't shock me if we if we had something maybe similar this time, but um, the market hasn't really got going yet. It's still pretty stagnant. And I, so I still think that it's going to be a bit of a mad rush at the end, which is not ideal for Wednesday. Of course it's not, but I think it's a little bit... Um, out of their hands 
Um, I, I, you know, I, I just look at it and think that there's not a lot of money that's a wash or, or going around, is there, in the championship? And and clubs aren't going to be spending big money. The only the only clubs who I think will be spending uh, some cash in the championship this month, maybe Norwich and Bournemouth and possibly Watford, and and they're all the teams that have come down. The rest, yeah. I think, are going to keep the powder dry. And with the financial impacts, um, you know, of coronavirus that we've seen on all sport, in, in then I, I just think that, yeah, you know, that's where shrewd recruitment's going to be needed, isn't there? And um, no, I, for, for me, it's a case of can Wednesday bring in and get a new manager in in time for Coventry a week on Saturday. I, I think that's what they'd be looking at right now. But I, I don't know how you feel about it, James, but to be honest with you, I, I actually would be quite happy if Neil Thompson stayed in charge until the end of the season. Um, I, yeah, I know, I agree. I do agree with you that I think they've rode the luck in the two matches, but he's somebody that's well-respected, you know, at Wednesday as a coach, and I've, you know, he's someone who some weaknesses of the players. We saw something similar, didn't we, years ago with Stuart Gray after he replaced Dave Jones. I'm not saying that you, you give Neil Thompson the permanent job, but I'm just thinking, I don't know, for the second half of the season, if Wednesday don't think they, they, they can find somebody suitable out there, I think they could do a heck of a lot worse than, than give Neil Thompson the job until the end of the season. If if the if the right person's not available, or you know if if we don't know who the right person is, and that's a t- completely different matter. But you know, in one of those two situations, then I don't necessarily object to it. You you're right in terms of you know we saw a few years ago Stuart Gray, but we've equally seen um, a, a couple of times when Lee Bullen's been in caretaker charge, and things seem to have started quite positively and then gone downhill really quite quickly. And that's my only worry with Neil Thompson is. Um, yeah, a couple of wins is 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 great, particularly with the the issues that we've got with players unavailable. But you know, if we then go on and lose our next two league games, that picture changes very very quickly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, look, it depends who's available, doesn't it? You know, I, I couldn't see past wanting Paul Cook to come in last time. I can't see past wanting Paul Cook to come in this time. Um, I, I, I still very much get an impression that the club just doesn't seem bothered. It doesn't seem to be someone, I think they have spoke to him, but it just doesn't, doesn't, you know, I, I think I, I'd want to have that done and dusted by now. I'd be like, it's, it's just so straightforward. Just get him in, get it sorted, give him a bit of time. And, and, you know, he can take the, the team for the commentary game, but you know, the club don't seem to, um, to kind of echo those, um, those sentiments. I, I wonder, James, I about. What, what's your sort of take what... on, on, on the names that are around? Well, I wonder if there is a reluctance with Paul Cook, James, in that the last three appointments for Wednesday have all been British managers and, and none of them have worked out. Uh, so, yeah, you've got Paul Cook, who is experienced in the Championship. He's got a good CV. I do think he's the standout British candidate that's out of work. Uh, and, you know, he's still top of... Um, you know the bookies list for the job, um, but then yeah, you know you've got the you've got the chairman and his advisors. They're going to be taking their time in making this appointment and not rushing it. So I, 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 part of me thinks that if they really believed and thought that Paul Cook was the right man, they would have yep. appointed him by now. 
Yeah. And they certainly would have done the last time the job was up um, too. And he wasn't contacted um, you know, when they hired Tony Pewis. Um, and, and so I think there's doubt there that they, you know, that they don't necessarily think he's the right man. Um, and then you're looking at the rest of the list and it, it's sort of the usual suspects, isn't it? You know, there's, there's Gus Poyet there who's, you know, he's done reasonably well at, um, you know, some clubs like, you know, Brighton and Sunderland, uh, you know, in this country and he's familiar with English football, uh, but I don't think there's been any interest, you know, shown in him. He's not somebody that's under consideration. That Danny Cowley's up there in the betting odds. That's not going to happen, I don't think. And then you've got um, a, a lot of foreign names, uh, you know, uh, managers, foreign managers who were unfamiliar with in this country. You know, Torsten Fink. There's been a lot of talk about him maybe being under consideration. Uh, Paco Yemes, the Spanish boss. Um, you know, his last job was, I think, Rayo Valencio. And yeah, I mean, whatever appointment they make, it's going to be risky. And there's no guarantee it's going to work out. That's what I would say. I just feel as if right now, the impression I get is the club are erring more towards, uh, you know, a foreign appointment. I, I asked, you know, Dave Ponchanceri last week, you know, has it put him off? Um, hiring another British manager, you know, after how the last three have gone, I, you know, is he looking at, at a foreign boss? He said he's open, you know, to all managers. And, you know, I know that early on this week they were still, you know, receiving applications for the job, so they, they've they've been sifting through the CVs, um, and you know, the interview process I'm expecting will begin this week, um, and and so I think the smart money right now. Is on Neil Thompson taking the team for Exeter, and I think it'd be a much changed team. That's by the way all dependent on whether the game definitely goes ahead, of course, with the COVID outbreak. But there's a bit... <clears throat> yeah, we've got that to come to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just what Wednesday uh, wanted to kick off 2021. Um, on top of everything else that's going on at the moment, so yeah, I, I still think that there's a strong chance that there'd be a new man in place for Coventry. I, I, I reckon ideally they would like to have that guy in place so you know, for a couple of days before the Coventry match so you could get a feel of the team, uh, Sheffield, the surroundings, the, the, you know, the facilities that Wednesday have. Uh, you know, I think that would be what they would want in an ideal world, but we'll have to wait and see whether it pans out like that. We have got this little bit of a respite now, haven't we? Because you know, let's let's park the Exeter game to one side because you know, as you say, it might not happen. Um, if it does happen, it's it, it's it's highly unlikely. I think it would be daft if if you know some of the players that played a lot of football recently, if if they're playing in that game. So let's just park that to one side. But then you look at the fact that you know the next two games, you've got Coventry and Wickham. Um, and then you know it's 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 different after that because it's a couple of more difficult games, but mega 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 important games again. But we've got this little bit of respite now, and it's been a while since we've had that that break. So that that's really really important. I mean, ideally we could do with new manager in place now, couldn't we? Because you know they need to be looking ahead to that Coventry game and kind of working on stuff, or, or really by the weekend. A couple of days doesn't feel like 
long enough to potentially be looking at you know another change of system or another change of style or you know another different set of ideals that a manager is going to bring in but uh, you know i guess we'll see certainly from the names that you mentioned by the way there uh, having listened to all that there is part of me that goes i think i'd rather just have neil thompson to the end of the season because this doesn't doesn't feel like the right time to be bringing in a, an unknown foreign manager and taking a bit of a risk because you know we're in, we're still in quite a desperate situation. You know, there's plenty of teams around us with games in hand. You know, we could find ourselves back in the bottom three very quickly over the coming weeks. Like we, we, we're not in a position to just kind of think, let's try something different. Let's let's try something completely off the the wall. You know, that it doesn't feel like the right time to do that. But it, you know, I'm probably more reassured by the fact that they're taking some time about it to get it right than just making a bit of a panic appointment, unless it was Paul Cook, because I do believe that he's the right guy. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so things that we've not talked about, I quite want to talk about Liam Shaw just a little bit, because um, I feel that, you know, he's he's had a heck of a topsy-turvy season with two different managers who both seem to believe in him, but, you know, getting sent off and then now got his first goal and a couple of really good performances under his under his belt, having, I think we spoke about him either last time or the time before, saying it looks a little bit shaky at, at, at centre-half and, and it has been topsy-turvy for him but little signs that you know he's just settling into this team now and showing what what he can um do it's been it's been a good couple of weeks for him hasn't it it has and i think that yeah, he's really blossoming isn't he i think that um he's, he's a midfielder for me I, I thought that you know he did a a steady job um against you know derby at center half and we've seen him you know a couple of times play in that position but you know, I think he he's midfielder. Certainly, that's his best position. That's where, you know, for Wednesday, you know, he's going to make you know a, a big impact moving forward. And I, and I tell you what, I think that when Wednesday do resolve the managerial situation, that it's important that they get his future tied down because if, uh, your clubs will be looking at him. So I think that they need to. Um, move very quickly in securing a long-term deal, but you know, it was encouraging that Liam Shaw, you know, who spoke to the media after Derby, you know, he was he made it pretty clear that you know he wants to stay and he wants to sign a new contract and that he hopes it gets sorted out sooner rather than later. So he he sees his future at the club, um, so he's making all the right noises, and I think you know based on how he's done since he's sort of burst onto the scene, particularly this season. Um, that we've seen more from him. Yeah, I think the signs are that he's a box-to-box midfielder and he's different to some of the other midfielders that Wednesday have got, uh, you know, with his stature and, uh, you know, his sort of composure on the ball. He's, he's a very, you know, he's technically, I think, a very gifted player. Um, and I think that he's got a lot of really good raw attributes um, that I think... Um, you know, could make him you know, a very good player. Uh, I think he could become a really good championship player uh, and who knows after that. But you know, I think first and foremost for him, it's about sort of cementing that position, isn't it, in the team and nailing down that midfield place. It's great that he's able to do a job at centre-half in times of need when Wednesday are really struggling for centre-halves at the moment. But yeah, you know, for, for me, you know, Liam Shaw's long-term position has got to be midfield. I think whether it's midfield or um, centre-half, they're both positions where 
consistency is really key. You know, he needs to be able to, he needs to show that he can do it week in, week out. But, and I think this is probably to do with him being a Wednesday fan and the fact that he's quite open about that and, and quite, he shows that kind of emotion on the pitch. There's something just really likeable about the, the, the lad. And I think, you know, most of us want to see him do well. And I think it is because he's one of our own and we feel a little bit kind of, probably a little bit emotional about that ourselves that it's, it's, it has been a while since we've seen someone who is a you know Wednesday fan that's kind of come through the the system and, and done well. So that's great to see. What what we haven't really talked about and we've touched on it and we could fill an episode talking about it is the chairman's press briefing. Do we call it like Zoom Cupper? I don't. I I honestly don't. I don't really know how to surmise it. Which was a good couple of hours. Um probably a million things that we could talk about off the back of it. Let, let's obviously we talked about what's happened. Let's talk about um, his take and what he kind of said about the Tony Pulis situation and the decision. First of all, not necessarily getting into the ins and outs of what he said, just the fact that, you know, he, he took us through his side of the story so soon after the sacking. This is quite unprecedented. Like I, I've not really known a football club chairman or owner who's just gone, right, I'm just going to tell you everything. Uh, and I can't decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But that was like quite remarkable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, he spoke uninterrupted um, about Tony Pulis, I think, for 25 minutes. And he was scathing. It was. And, and it was incredibly honest. Uh, I think that for some people, too honest. And there was maybe um, uh, some things that were meant to be confidential that, uh, you know, he, as part of his side of the story, has then told. And, um, yeah, I mean, you look at down the years when... Um, they've made a managerial change under Dave Ponchanceri. And I don't actually think that uh, before he's ever sort of been out in front where he's actually given his account of why he sacked a manager. Uh, it's it's normally been probably the other way around of where, you know, I think it's the manager who's departed. He's probably spoken first. Um, so um, what we'll say is, you know, you can't accuse again, We've said this before, and I say it again, you can't accuse the chairman of um, not fronting up. Uh, you know, it's a time where he is is getting pelters left, right, and centre right now. Um, the easy option probably would have been to not speak to the media, not do anything until you've maybe unveiled a manager. But yeah, for him to then give up his time for two and a half hours. Which, by the way, that's unprecedented. There won't be many or any other club owner in the land who wouldn't have thought that would speak to the media for two and a half to three hours. I know for a fact that there were a lot of the national media who joined that Zoom call for the first time and were speaking to Dave Ponchanceri for the first time. They'd never seen it. Uh, so... You know they're used to Manchester United and trying to deal with Ed Woodward, and they're and they're thinking we don't get that time with Ed Woodward. That's for sure. So, and nothing was off. Like, nothing was off the record. Nothing was. You know he he spoke not just about Tony Pulis, um, which I think was the main reason for him wanting to do it for a start. But then, yeah, you know he he 
again try to give an update, reassure fans on season tickets, refunds, which we know is a, is a huge thing right now at the moment, and the accounts, the search for the new manager. Um, and I think it, it's one of them where I think that uh, a, lot, a lot of fans have probably made their mind up, haven't they, really, on the chairman, on whether they're still behind him or whether, you know, the, the, you know they're calling for change or what. And I think that um, the steps now that the club have got to take, they've got to get this manager right, and then it's what happens after that. It's great that he's spoken this time. It's great that he's spoken... Um, and he probably will do when he unveils or brings in a new manager. Um, but then it's all going to be about action, isn't it? You know, I think that that's what's going to, in, in trying to lift the sort of the negativity, that's what people want more, really. They don't want to be hearing um, a, a lot of what we've heard before. There, there wasn't much that was new, really, in what the, the chairman said. And so I think that it, it's... It's for people what they want to see is action and how he's going to drive the club forward and try and get them back on an even keel. I I personally don't really know how I feel about it anymore because it, it's it just feels like a mess. It feels like there's so much to try and compute and take in, and I've just not really had a chance to. But in in the aftermath of Tony Pulis getting sacked, like I thought, this is it now. This this project you know, Chancery 1.0 has failed. It's just failed, right? We can't keep doing this where it's a point of manager, change the style of play, bring in new players. It doesn't work. And and so we just start again. Like, that has to stop. And and I've said till I'm blue in the face about needing a sporting director slash director of football and a CEO and all the stuff that actually means that decisions about the club are taken at a, a higher point than just bringing in a manager who has a philosophy and stuff. And and I was like, that now has to happen. That doesn't mean that Chancery has to go. It just means that he has to concede that the project that he's set up just hasn't worked and it's time to do it a different way. I don't think that's going to happen. But that is still very much my belief that, that that's the model that we need to uh, move to. But, you know, we are where we are. And it's it's weird. I just don't know. What, I don't know what to say about it. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. And and winning two football matches puts a different perspective on it still. And, you know, that that's the wrong way of looking at it because, you know, a couple of wins doesn't change the fact that we're in a difficult situation as a football club. We're in a uh, we're in a bit of a mess, and we've got to get out of it. And th there's so many things that need putting right. And and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't. I just don't know how I feel about it. And um, as a first, James, you don't. It's know probably going to gonna take a couple of weeks to kind of compute all that and to um, uh, for it to kind of feel like it's it's starting to make sense. And what happens next in terms of the manager? is is just going to be so important but at the same time it just feels so irrelevant it feels like who comes next as manager doesn't change the fact that there's clearly things in terms of structure and other things within the club that that need addressing and need um looking at um i mean look you know we we are we are fast running out of time and there are a million other things that we could talk about so let's let's leave it there for now um quick look ahead to saturday then exeter in the cup 
we've not really talked about the coronavirus outbreak and um, the uh, all the stuff that goes with that. But you know, whether or not the game goes ahead, we don't know. If it does go ahead, um, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Are you, are you expecting uh, a very different looking Wednesday team? Is it going to be very much second string and younger players? That's what I think they will go with, yeah. And, and Neil Thompson knows a lot of the youngsters anyway and what they've got to offer. He's worked with them before. So, um, you know, the, I don't think there would be any fear for him in throwing some of those guys. And actually, there's a lot of fringe players who need game time, um, who've not had um, a lot of minutes in the last few months, you know, and you could go from, you know, Elias Kachunga to Matt Penny. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you know, Joe Wildsmith will be in goal, you would have thought. Um, you know, Kieran Westwood, I think, is progressing, but you know, he's not going to be fit anyway, and I don't think he would feature. But yeah, I think there'll be a lot of first team players that will be rested. They've just gone through, you know, a really intense run of matches and big workloads. You know, over Christmas, in you know, that December period, there were, I think, nine matches in total. So it was really hectic, um, and you know Neil Thompson made a big thing about it. he gave the players the weekend off, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm sure that the club having you know shut down the training ground because of the the COVID nineteen outbreak probably uh, was you know, part of the thinking behind that. Um, and at the moment, yeah, the situation is that the players you know that they've gone for you know they will have had the mandatory round of testing and we're expecting results, and I think there'd be an update you know as we record this um today there'll probably be an update later on um and so i think you know the fa cup rules are that if you've got 14 as long as you've got 14 registered fit players then the match has to go ahead um so if there aren't loads of players in wednesday's squad who've tested positive or shown signs of symptoms then it will go ahead at st james's park on on Saturday, um, that you know that will you know, that they have to play it, or that you know they will forfeit the tie. Um, so yeah, I don't mind that, that scenario. Yeah. By the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with us just forfeiting it. It doesn't. It feels well, just. It, it's a, a, a it is, it, that is an irrelevance. Well, yeah, it is an irrelevance. But then, um, I, I I think that you know you still got to look at it and go. It's the FA Cup. Um, it's a winnable tie. Whatever team Wednesday play on Saturday with respect to Exeter should be good enough to get into the next round and, and Wednesday have just taken 10 points in the last four matches they've won three of them so actually they've got a little bit of momentum um, so there are um, reasons they are definitely to you know still want to play and it'd be a long break as well if they didn't play against Exeter then that's over two weeks uh, you know without a match yeah, uh, yeah, and it's the money. It's a little bit of money, uh, and who knows? You get into the fourth sure. round, and relatively easy tie. Then, who knows? You could be in the fifth round, uh, and from an FA Cup run. Yeah, it's not the priority for Wednesday, um, but it gets squad players game time. So we'll have to see what happens anyway, won't we? Over the next few days. Uh, all right. Final thing, Dom. R- write a headline to sum up the last week. One line to sum up the last week. Uh, absolute carnage. Absolute carnage. 
Well, absolute okay. ma- madness, maybe. What were you, what were you going to go with? I don't know. <laughs> that would be my headline. I don't know. Don't know. I don't. Ne- I don't know what I think. Don't know what I feel. Ne- never, never a dull day. Never a dull week at Hillsborough. Well, that's certainly true, isn't it? And you know, we 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 did kind of sign off for the year last week, kind of thinking just played sailing now and then. All this stuff's happened, but anyway, there we go. Uh, right, we're going to leave it there. You can catch Dom at Dom House and I'm at James Marriott, or you can contact the show at Dom and James. Um, big thank you to our uh, gold partners, Title Law Solicitors. Uh, visit titlelaw.co.uk. And Wednesday Picks, if you've not got the app downloaded, then make sure you get it onto your phone. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week. Yeah.